think it's hard when you, as a listener, and I find myself in this situation a lot, especially when I listen to you know, whatever podcast I listen to, you see like truly like great, like influential people. And you're like, man, I'm just like a normal dude. Or I'm a, a, a dad, I'm a husband, I'm a, you know, a, a mom, a, you know, whatever that is. And you're just like, I'm just like a normal person. It's like the moment that you take that mentality and you're not a normal person, you're very unique in the fact that there's only one of you. And when people go around and they try to put themselves in this bucket of like, oh, I'm, I'm not special, I'm not this, it's like, you are special because that's it. Like, there's one of me, there's one of you, there's, we got three dudes sitting in these beach chairs in my gym drinking a little bourbon. And we're all unique and we're all special. And the moment that we choose to take that mentality as far as, like, I'm not going to be a victim, I'm going to choose to look at every and all opportunity to better myself and to better those people in the community that are around me. I think the more and more that we can get to that as a society and as a people, like we're all going to be better. Welcome to Turning on the Light podcast. I'm your host, Eric Bell. I am super pumped about this first episode of the new year. I hope you guys all had a great holiday season. Hope you did it differently. And I hope you had a great new year. Uh, We start this year's first episode with PGA professional golfer, Scott Stallings, a good friend of mine. And I'm super um, excited for you to listen to this episode as we look at Scott's last year where he made the Tour Championship, arguably probably one of his best years of consistent golf throughout the year. Scott uh, takes us through how he looks at problems and, and chooses to address them. He talks about his life on the road, the ability to compartmentalize. He talks about his routine. Some of you may know him and see how he does it all the time, but he's one of the fittest golfers out there. And the power of being present and not living in the past. And I really think that that is a good segue as we start the year. So many of us look backwards and think about, you know, what we can do differently. And Scott really talks about being present, not living in the past and to be one of the best golfers in the world. That's what you got to do. Um, and lastly, he talks about the value of planning. Scott's got an amazing team around him that does a lot for him and really helps to get him to be the best golfer he can be. This episode airs on Monday, January 9th, as Scott has just now finished his first tournament out in Hawaii, and we wish him well, currently sitting in 19th place at 12 under as I record this. So by the time you get this, he'll have finished, and we wish him a good top 20, top 10 finish. So Scott, thanks for all that you're doing out there. Thanks for turning on the light. And listeners, thanks for listening. Enjoy the episode. All right, welcome to Turning on the Light podcast. I'm your host, Eric Bell, and today I'm with a good friend of mine, Scott Stallings. Scott, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, buddy. Yeah, man. I... um. I've been looking forward to this episode for a while for just a number of different reasons. Um, This will be our first episode in 2023 
it will be dropping. And a lot of my, pressure. What's set, that? A lot of pressure. Yeah. I set the tone. Yeah. We, I think you set the tone in a lot of ways, Scott, <laughs> for the day you wake up to the, to the time you go to bed, you set the tone. And, and I think that's what I'm so excited to hear you talk about. Um, you know, my goal in this first to start the year was to give people some examples of, uh, and, and tools as they start their new year, right? Everybody has resolutions. Everybody's got goals and everybody's got, you know, ways of doing something different as they enter the year. And so when I thought about you being the first guest, um, I thought about your, not just your transition as a golfer, but really kind of what happened last year. But as we kind of go back a little bit, um, when you think about, what happened and why you made that transition in your life from the golfer you were to the golfer you are now, and really not just the golfer, but the human, right? What, what happened inside of you when you decided to make that change? What was going on? Yeah. Well, a lot of things kind of get misconstrued, like, you know, through kind of what lens you choose to look at it, but like I never did any, anything, any of the changes I made, I literally did nothing. It completely zero for golf. That was it. I, I honestly, if I, in my mind, if I got a chance to play or pursue my career at any, any one more day was a blessing. So now years is even more. And that's kind of how the way I chose to look at it. But if I didn't take the time and make the changes and do the things I was going to be doing, like the life that I had had that, you know, professional golf had brought an opportunity was just going to be a thing of the past just Talk. because, just because I was, I mean, it was no one's fault, but my own, but I mean, this wasn't like a, like a drugs and alcohol and excess thing. It was literally like no plan. It was like, eat what you want, sleep whenever, travel horrible, do this and have a very, very stressful job and do it about 30, 35 weeks a year. And just, you know, figure out how long you can hang on before the wheels fall off. <laughs> what was going on inside of you? Um, at the time that did, did something happen that made you decide to look within and think, what, what, what am I doing? What's going on here? Who am I? Uh, I don't know if there was one, there was probably a lot of like little things that kind of led to, you know, certain scenarios, you know, kind of got me to there, but I, I kind of started making a few changes and I, I referenced in a lot of interviews. I went to this, uh, I got in touch with a doctor at UCLA that, uh, you know, sort of, he dealt with a lot of autoimmune and, you know, he was, that was kind of a specialty. And he said, man, I'd, I'd be happy to meet with you, you know, kind of be able to, you know, give some answers as far as what he thinks is taking place. He said, but be prepared before you come out here. He said, I tell people every single day they have things that can't be cured and potentially like fatal. Mm. Like, Oh, okay. Like we're about to really get real here. Yeah. And so I met with him for two days. Um, uh, <laughs> Somewhere down on UCLA campus, uh, there's a, a a shadow of me just walking around at the U, U, is, uh, 2015 of the medical facility, walking around there because I called Jen, my wife, in the Uber going back to the hotel, and I said, "The guy that you know, um, he's I'm I'm leaving him here. That's good. This is I'm I will never see him again. That's awesome. And um, I apologize. And basically. What the doctor said is all these things that you have going on can all be fixed. 
like every one of these things on this list, like your symptoms, all these things, like understanding like symptoms, causation, all this other stuff. Like, but ultimately the responsibility of how this came to be was you. And he said, if, it, if, if you think anything other than that, like you're an idiot. And so let's just get that straight. He said, I'm, I do this with people every single day of the year. I'm literally one of the best people in the world at diagnosing this. You don't have any one major problem. You have a lot of all these little things all happening at once and they're all your fault. Like, <laughs> I mean, you talk about reality, like punching you right in the face. I mean, that was it. But I was happy for that opportunity. I mean, it was very humbling at the time, but it probably wouldn't have gotten me to make such a drastic change where I just went all in. And golf, my career, all that other stuff that sort of was was taking place, but I was sort of like on that, you know, mouse wheel where I was just spinning as long as I could and just trying to keep it moving as much as I possibly could as long as I could and more or less – you call it faking it, not whatever. But I mean, I was just hanging on for dear life. And the yeah. fact that I was able to to play during that time was I'm not exactly sure how that happened, but it was probably a blessing in disguise because it sort of gave me a little bit of an outlet. Yeah. It's weird. I use my job as an outlet for all the changes I was trying to make, but now I use the other. I just kind of flip now. <laughs> yeah. For those of you who are, you know, five or 10 minutes into this episode and wondering, well, who is Scott Stallings? Um, <laughs> Scott Stallings is a (laughs) PGA golfer, three-time winner, um, was on the, uh, in the tour championship this year for the first time in his career and just had a, uh, really this past year was arguably your best year. I mean, you didn't win a tournament, but you, but you did everything else, but win a tournament. Would you agree with that? Definitely the best year of my career. Yeah. Let's talk about that. I mean, because I think that if you're listening to this, then you've just heard just a small glimpse and and I didn't want to go all the way back in his in his life but I wanted you to understand that this guy that in 2015 realized that things weren't going his way decided to make some changes and my goal on this show is to turn on the light so that you know that number 1 you're not alone number 2 that anything can happen you can change your life and change your ways and you just heard from one of the best athletes that I've ever met that he was, he was still a, a phenomenal athlete at the time, but things weren't going well inside of him. And the doctor told him to himself, to his face, this is your fault. You can't be a victim here. And that changes the perspectives of everybody. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, victim mentality and, you know, wanting to be a blamer and, you know, not wanting to claim responsibility and all these different things. And, I mean, unfortunately, like the the further you get in professional sports, there's way more of that than I would probably want to admit across all sports. And, you know, the people that truly stand out and that are truly great are the people that shy as far away from that as they can possibly. I mean, literally, they want nothing more to do with that. They take it on themselves. You know, they build the team around them to kind of help them. Like, I, <laughs> I have purposely not surrounded myself with yes men, but – more people that like, man, are you ever going to say anything nice? <laughs> but for, for a reason, like, I mean, I was with my coach and stats guy uh, last week and I mean, we're coming off the best year of my career. And I mean, they're just breaking me down. Yeah. Like, you I mean, when y'all came in, you saw the track, man, you saw my mat, you saw all the stuff. And I mean, we're building this like wedge test that they're trying to do. 
And I mean, literally, I can think of a thousand things I would rather do than this. Yeah. But I know that over the course of time, like when I'm sitting there at Kapalua in a couple of weeks and this shot comes up that I know that I've spent the time developing this, you know, kind of program that we're working for, like, you know, the scoring area of my bag. I'm going to be happy that I did it instead of wishing, you know, you know, kind of twirling my thumbs like, man, that'd have been great if I spent some time on that, mm-hmm. you know, but surrounding yourself with people and, you know, continually, you know, finding people to ask questions to and understanding that you're not the smartest and you don't have it all figured out. The moment that you feel that you have it figured out and you don't need to ask questions, you haven't had figured out anything. Yeah. And, you know, that's just the person that chooses to operate that as a person that I just choose not to spend any time with. Yeah. Cause it's like talking to a wall. Yeah. I love that. My, you know, I love being curious and it sounds to me like that's continually what you're doing. And, you know, as we sit here in your gym, I look around and you've got more fitness equipment than <laughs> most gyms. Right. I mean, honestly, this is really remarkable, but what it, what it does is it, it's a testament of who you are, right? You look at this and, and I've, I've worked out with you. I know who you are, but talk to us about the regimen. Talk to me about what, what it looks like, because I've got questions about the days you just told me you got home last night, you took your family to a concert in Nashville and you got home at one thirty. My guess is you were in the gym this morning. Am I right? Yeah. About nine. Okay. So you got in a little later than normal, maybe, but I had to take the kids to school. Yeah. Okay. But at the end of the day, guess what? You were in the gym Mm -hmm. and majority of people are not going to get in the gym after being up at not after being up at one 30 traveling and have to get up and do it all again. You know what? What get up, wash, rinse, repeat, you know, mentality fight, grind, repeat is one of my, my favorite sayings ever, but talk to me about your, your regimen, what you do, when you're home and then what you do when you're on the road playing. Yeah. I think a little bit of it is to kind of understand a regiment, try to a little bit understand a mentality. It's not a matter if and when it's a matter of what time of day I try to reverse engineer my day the night before. Cause I think, you know, a lot of people's like, well, I can't sleep when I wake up early. You know, I gotta do this. I gotta do that. And they're like, they're like hyping themselves up over nothing. And, you know, literally at the end of the day, all they have to do is wake up early and, you know, they're going to train, they're going to do this, they're going to do that. But I think also, like, for myself, like if, if I didn't train in the morning, like I, I recorded before you guys, I had some stuff I have to do after. We have some Christmas stuff later. Like, at some point, like, that was the only time I had. So, like, man, put your head down and do it. And mm. Get it over with. And you'll kind of let that part be your day, not be the part where you're just, you know, you're dreading it you know, trying to fit it in where you're going to kind of half-ass it or, or whatever, but put it in a spot where you can give it the time and the effort that it's deserved, but also something that's not a detriment later in the day. It's like, I should have done this. I should have done this. I should have done this. And I think that's where, you know, whether it's on a personal level or culture or whatever, the people that operate in the should-haves, like, are the people that are just the constant wanting. They're instead of the people, oh, I didn't should, I did. Mm. I mean, those are the people that, you know, the gas pedal's on the right. I'm going, I'm pushing myself, and, like, I'm waiting for no person. Like, I didn't work out. I normally work. I have a great group of guys that I work out with. But the time that worked for them and the time that worked for me just wasn't going to happen. And not there's not a single doubt in their mind that I train today. Yeah, you work work out with some of the best athletes, (laughs) not just uh, (laughs) – I mean, you work out with, uh, what, 
tell us who you're working out with most of the days. Uh, our trainer, Adam, is a great dude. He's a, kind of the common bond between us. Uh, we have uh, now since retired UFC fighter. Uh, I think he's become he's going to become a, you know, he's going to train the ways he's always wanted to train now that he retired. Scott Holtzman is, you know, a very close friend of mine, and our buddy Jan is a catcher for the Cubs. And so I think probably more I, – I tell people I train with them more than they tell people they train with me. It doesn't really do much for your street cred when you're a UFC fighter and you tell people you train with a golfer. <laughs> but it's, it's, I can tell you, man, I can hold my own pretty good. So I've, I've seen, I've witnessed it. In fact, uh, you you definitely can hold your own with anybody. I'm but sure. I think I think when you go and and you surround yourself with people that are truly aspiring to be the best at, at anything, you know, it's just like that, you know, whatever you want to look at, iron sharpens iron or whatever. But just surrounding yourself with like that mentality of like. All right, we're going to do it. Yeah. And, you know, it's not like a thing. It just sort of happens. And, you know, it's, it's a unique relationship. And, you know, c- continuing, like the fact that they're professional athletes is one thing, but they become very good friends. And they're, we're very like minded in the fact that we understand that the, the opportunities that our jobs provide don't come without, I mean, a hell of a lot of work and, you know, all that stuff, like, yeah, the social media aspect and all the things that kind of go along with it. But like, there's literally no validation for the fact of like telling people that I train today, like literally nothing. But the fact that like, I just, I know that it, it, it took place. I know that it's in, but like, I'm not that like the guy that hung my hat on that. It's just part of my day. Yeah. Just like practicing, just like all the other stuff that kind of goes into it. Yeah, man, that's my job. Yeah. Like, I was trying to get better. What, um, you know, there's, I, I'm so fascinated with just a number of things, and this conversation could go so many places, Scott, but um, there's two things that, that really come to mind um, when I think about, you know, number one, you, I, I would love to hear what, what was it this year? You know, I think that, you know, we gave a bottle of bourbon and the word is variance. I'd love to hear that, that story a little bit more. But the other thing too, Scott is, is dude, I, I want to understand the mentality of you hit a bad shot. You move on to the next shot. I want to understand the mentality of you don't have a good day. You got to wake up the next day and grind again. There's something, I believe that there's probably no other sport that really resembles life the way golf does. Okay. And very much so probably. Yeah. And, and it, it, you know, tempo, I mean, you just name it, you can go down the list of bunkers, you water, you know, three putt. And I mean, the list goes on and on about how you can relate it to life, but tell me this year, what, what, what happened this year for you? And when did it, when did you know, like, man, there I'm, I'm just a different athlete this year than I was the past. When did that start happening? Well, it sounds like based off what you're talking about golf, maybe we need to have like a therapy session about your own game. <laughs> <laughs> Three putts, uh, bunker, yeah. water. I mean, there's a lot of things <laughs> happening there. But uh, also, I realized I didn't answer your other question about routine, but we can get back into that uh, as far as what that looks like. But I mean, uh, variance is sort of the word that I used. Uh, I got a good group of guys I pick bourbon barrels with and some good dudes and I knew that based off the season that I had, like I wanted to do something that was unique and something that I would remember and, and different things. And so the guys at Nashville barrel are good buddies of mine. 
and we do a barrel pick every single with year with them with the Tennessee Golf Foundation. And I was like, no, this isn't this. This is my thing. Like, this is for me. This is for my buddies. This is guys. Like, I want to just have opportunity to tell the story of I took one kind of mind frame and I kind of applied it to everything. And essentially, the variance is just, you know, an opportunity to create disparity. And uh, my stats guy uh, told me in Napa, which is the first term of the year in 2021 and kind of carried over into the 2021-22 season, he told me on Tuesday at – um, the Napa tournament, he said, this is your word and this is what it means. And this is what I think that you should do. If you're ever going to make a tour championship, this is your year to do it. So the way the courses match up your schedule, all these different things. And basically you need to create as much disparity as you possibly can, instead of being the same person week in and week out and understanding that you're going to have times where you go to the course, you miss a cut by five or six shots and you're going to be okay with that. And then you're going to have the other time where the gas is on the right and you're clicking on all cylinders and you backdoor top 10 on Sunday with a great round, and you run off and you feel like you robbed the bank. He said, you know, we're going to do that. And that's kind of the mentality for the season. And I bought in real fast. Like, he gave me a game plan for Napa. I had the best turn, the best finish I'd ever finished. It was like 20th. And we got done. I shot one under on Sunday, and I finished sixth. And I was like, I get it. Hmm. I know what this means. Because he was building – a game plan for where I could be what I'm the best at. Mm. Instead of me trying to adapt my game for the courses, I was making the course adapt to me. And mm. I'd never done that. Now, I mean, man, there were some places where I flamed out. It was like that guy that's going to the casino with like every cent in his wallet and he's going to go turn the lights out. And 10 minutes later, he's sitting on the curb like, what in the world did I just do? <laughs> I did that. But also there was the time where I took every sit in there and I was in that high rollers thing pretty fast. Mm. But it was just a mentality thing too. Like we're going to go and, and kind of if you break down into like the golf nerd mentality, you were going into it in the fact of, yo, strokes gain. That's the biggest way to understand the way to, you know, kind of how we went about with golf. But if you take two tournaments and you're going to net gain five shots, I would do it by gaining two shots a week, three shots a week, and I netted five. And that was probably like a 45th and a 30th finish, you know, roughly. Well, he wanted me to gain five by gaining 15 and losing 10, meaning that I had a chance to win and I basically came in DFL. <laughs> you know, that's pretty much what he did. But the same net effect in terms of FedEx Cup points, world ranking, money, everything was far greater doing it that way. And that's kind of the way the, 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 way the professional golf on the PGA Tour is designed. You're rewarded for the high finishes. So I think I had seven top tens and three top fives. Like, I mean, just figured out an opportunity to really, if I got up there close, like I try to take advantage of it. Yeah. And so I bought in after that first event. I called him. as was like, I don't know what this variance thing is, but where I'm in. We're going to do it because I don't feel like I did anything different. I felt like I was out there who I wanted to be as a player and competitor. I shot one under on Sunday and finished sixth. And we walked up, and I looked at my caddy. I was like, what did we just do this week? Why did that feel different? Because I didn't feel like I, I played good at all. And had a, I mean, essentially had a chance to win. Played with Max yeah. home on Sunday, and he won. And it was just kind of a, a different thing. But I think by surrounding yourself with people that can be able to ask the tough questions and point yourself in the where you have like a little bit of like like the bumpers. Like you got guys kind of bump you back in the middle a little bit of that. And I have some great dudes around me and I have a 
very stubborn, stubborn, very supportive, strong-willed wife that, I mean, can kick me in the butt at a moment's notice. Yeah. And I think those kind of things go a long way to kind of help you to, you know, kind of stay in your lane and understand and be very focused on the, the task at hand and help you create a mindset and a work ethic, kind of help you get the results that you want. Scott, um, do you make goals? I mean, do you write them out? What, what's your goal setting process? I use some sort of like, I guess a little bit of more mentality. Um, and I have a very unique one for, um, 2023 and being, this is going to be the first, you know, if you're a professional golfer on the PGA tour and you don't want to win tournaments, you don't want to make the tour championship and you don't want to play a team event, like you're doing the wrong thing. Like that should go without saying like, I was like, oh, I want to finish 100th on the FedEx Cup and <laughs> you'll barely keep my job and be stressed all year. It's like, that's not a thing. Like, that's sort of a byproduct of like a bad plan. And I've done that. I've been, I've been the poster child for that. And that's not to say that I had the best year of my career and I have it all figured out because I definitely don't. But I have a group of guys that kind of help push me in the right direction and continually kind of help me evaluate and, and make better decisions to kind of help us get to our end goal. Um, but my goal for 2023 is I want to deal with problems that I created, not inherited and problems like that word is sort of a, you know, cliche or whatever, but there are good problems too. Like me having to, you know, I get done playing the 11th and then I travel again on the 27th cause I got to go play a tournament in Maui. That's a good problem to have, mm. but still it's a thing. Like, I mean, it's a lot of travel. It's a lot of logistics, not a lot of time at home. And so, but I mean, that's something that I can deal with. And it kind of all came off of a byproduct of um, everyone's favorite topic of taxes. And randomly, we got in a conversation with Greer, our good buddy, and started talking about all the new IRS. And this is not, obviously, we're not trying to get in the weeds. But essentially, long story short, is like, man, professional athletes, especially golfers, our entire life's a write-off, and we're just prime audit. And I just like, we're tightening up, man. We're, we're getting a sense of where everyone's, you know, rowing in the same direction. Everything's good. And I basically started to say, it's like, if we're going to get audited, we're going to get audited over something that I did, not something that someone else created for us. And that kind of started. Mm -hmm. And the more and more I started applying it, man, you could apply that to a lot of scenarios, relationships, life, you know, family, business, all the different things that kind of go into it. And, you know, there are such things as good problems too. Yeah. It's like you're trying to evaluate what decision or what. Well, they're both right. It's just depending on which one you want to go to deal with and not sit there and second guess. So, I mean, that was kind of what I, I told and, and something that we sort of evaluated. And the more and more I started asking questions and things, that's sort of what became very, very applicable and apparent as far as how I need to think about for, for this new season. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that I look at, Scott, and, you know, just sitting here listening to you, um, you could have taken last year and been like, yeah, man, I did what I, you know, wanted to do, and I made a lot of money, and I yada, yada, yada. But you have, you continually recreate and ask a lot of questions and try to figure out, okay, how do I get better? How do I, how do I, whatever the case may be, what, how am I going to address this problem? How am I going to address that problem? And to your point, you know, I sat, we, I went down the tour championship and I was like, man, you know, and I know how often you're gone, right? I never, we don't, I don't see you very often. And you're like, man, Eric, I've got this much time to meet, to do the interview and then I'll be gone again. 
do you get tired out there? Do you get lonely? Do you get, I mean, again, it's a good problem to have, right? Yeah. You're on the tour, but at the end of the day, it's still, what's your mentality out there sometimes by yourself? Uh, it makes me cherish the weeks that my family and my wife do have a chance to come out. But I think at any person that does something to the fullest extent of what they're capable of, you know, being at the highest level, um, the ability to compartmentalize is sort of like a necessary evil. Mm. And there's a lot of aspects of that, which are not great, not great socially, not great, you know, relationally, different things like that. But the ability to kind of get inside the ropes, hear my name called and sort of like, um, you know, I watched that new severance show. Have you seen it where they yeah. basically these guys go and they're triggered as soon as they get into this thing, they com- completely forget about the outside world. It's kind of messed up, but for, I found myself in Japan, man, when we were over there in another country, I started watching it, but it just reminded me, it's like, this is what I do when I play. Mm. Like as soon as my name's called, man, it's like the brain shuts off. And I, I did a, we did a commercial with Noble and they were asking about what I think. And I actually had to write it down. And it was like, honestly, I felt like I was being experimented on, but I was experimenting on myself. Um, cause I never really taken the time to think about it. But as soon as my name's called on that first tee and I turn sideways, y'all, I'm basically facing the target. I'm aware of everything. And I'm basically, you know, taking in everything that can be taken in when thoughts, feelings, emotions, and as soon as I turn sideways where my shoulders are parallel to the target, my mind goes completely blank. And it's like, I, in order to kind of do what we do, good, bad, or different, I mean, that's sort of what has to happen. Yeah. You know, I'm not doing my family any favors. I'm saying on that first team, like, man, I am missing the heck out of, you know, Millie's gymnastics or Finn's lacrosse or whatever it is. I mean, I definitely want to be there. But if I'm in the middle of both places, I'm not doing my family any mm. favors. I'm not doing myself. I'm not doing my team. So if I'm going to be where I am, and I remember having that conversation last night, we were talking about when I was in the Grand Ole Opry and we're sitting there and the concert was way longer than we thought. We thought hour and a half, we're out back on the road, you know, get the kids to school, you know, somewhat decent hour, no big deal. We're rolling about 11 o'clock Nashville time, which obviously time changed. Like we're, going in and uh in the car and jen's like well i mean do we make a mistake do we do this it's like we never live in the past we do not live in the past we only deal with hey this is what we got ourselves into mm. so we're just going to deal with it we're not going to sit there and second guess what we should have or shouldn't done i said let's be where we're at it's awesome and i said if if we can do anything more to be example for our kids like hey we did this to ourselves and we're going to deal with it like, we're going to be tired, we're going to do this or this, but we're going to be where we're at. We're going to be as a family. We're going to remember this. We had an unbelievable time. The concert was incredible. Grand Ole Opry with your kids on Christmas, pretty incredible. But I said, we're not going to sit there and wish we didn't do it. Or we're going to, we're going to be like, man, that's what we did. Yeah. And we had an unbelievable time, and we'll never forget it. I mean, there's so many people, I mean, I believe that, you know, I know I – that really hit home just listening to it so many times you think, oh, man, why did I do that? And then you start replaying what your decision was, why you did it, and you kind of get stuck in the past, right? And as opposed to being present and dealing with that situation at that moment, then it leads you to the next. And my counselor talks about a file 
right? The file, fo- the file gets built up for whatever reason and something happens and the file goes flying, <laughs> comes out of the drawer, goes flying everywhere and the paper goes everywhere. Well, that means you're still dealing with the things that happen in your past and they're still triggering you to affect the file folder getting thrown everywhere and then you pick up the pieces. And to your point, I love the mentality of you just, we made the decision to come here. We had a great time. Now we'll deal with the consequences, whatever they may be or may not be, but we're, th- was this a good or bad decision? We wanted to come here and that was the decision we made at that time. Mm. Right. Um, talk a little bit about, um, we'll, we'll go back to the routine at the end, but high and low of the year. What was it? I mean, high was, um, probably the, one of the coolest moments of the year that, um, and I had a chance to play with Adam at, the tour championship again after we did, but I birdied 14 on Sunday at the BMW in Delaware. And I, I don't, I, I either got the lead or I went to tie the lead cause I bogeyed 13 the hole before, but I made birdie. And then 15 is like, I mean, brutal. I mean, par three, there's really nowhere to miss. Like it's the focus hole. It's like if you're going to have a train wreck, like that's the hole to have a train wreck on. Like you can make bogeys on the next few holes, but, I mean, you're not going to sit there and make up eight. I mean, you could have a problem on this hole, and everyone freaking knows it. So I, I, I hit two really good shots on the par five of the hole before, and I hit by far the best swing I made in the entire PGA Tour season was on this par three. It was 207 yards down off the right, and we were trying to fly it about – like in the low 90s, and I was pumped because I hit 7-iron. I mean, I hit a 7-iron about low 180s. And, I mean, this thing flew every bit. It got The ball got past the pin at 207. And I absolutely 10 out of 10 flushed it. And the ball is in the air. And as the ball leaves the club, and it is just dead, absolutely perfect, what we call a little bit right of the pin, ends up, you know, 15, 18 feet behind the flag. And Adam Scott is like, that's how you do it. And it was like in that moment, like we're competitors, but he also understands that I'm dealing with something that I hadn't quite dealt with in a while. And I went up there and just took it head on and dealt with it mm-hmm. and literally made the best swing I made the entire PGA Tour season. So fast forward like three or four holes later. So I, I, I miss on the high side on 15, leave it in the heart on 16 and lip out on 17. I mean, I'm like playing nice. Especially in like pressure situations, the and highest say, pressure, right? Yeah, and we because I mean, obviously, I mean, the goal is to make through championship is also an opportunity to win a tournament, and we sit on eighteen, and it's kind of like one of those like it's three wood driver, three wood driver, back and forth, back and forth, and I was hitting three wood no matter what. Like I was trying to make the fairway as big as I possibly could in something that I could literally swing out of my shoes as hard as I possibly could, and it was only going to get better. And the same thing, I hit this three wood off the tee on 18 and I I could not have hit it any better and just absolutely hammered it. And we're walking off the tee and he like fist pump, like, let's go. Cause I mean, he was in, you know, whatever place he was, he wasn't going to win the tournament, but he was still in that prep. But for him to be aware and to see, have a guy of his career and all the stuff that he's accomplished to be there. Like I was amped and Mm -hmm. my caddy's like trying to like, Calm you down. Calm just a little bit. But, I mean, that's one of those, like, I had a chance to share some time with him. It's like, man, that meant a lot to me. Mm. You did not have to do that. Mm. And more just kind of bring me back down to earth because, I mean, I was feeling it. 
but it was in a good way. Sure. Like, uh, like I was, I fully embraced the moment and, and kind of go from there. So that was a high, um, I don't know. I'm sure I could sit there and think about a, a lot of a lot of lows and a lot of different things. I think there's times where you put uh, unrealistic pressure on yourself. Like one of my big goals was to make uh, the U.S. Open at Brookline. I was born in Massachusetts. I have a ton of family up there. I just you know became a, a you know Noble became my biggest partner on and off the golf course as far as how I represent them with their footwear and apparel brand. And they're based 30 minutes down the road from Brookline. So that was a huge, and that was their like first big splash into golf, hmm. their hometown. And so I go qualify, couldn't have been more pumped to go and be a part of the event. And, you know, sort of fell flat. Like I missed the cut, you know, shot a few over. And uh, I remember just being like super bummed just because like I didn't have a chance. Cause I like that was a golf course that set up great for me in a major championship. And it was like I had put so much pressure on getting there. I had never gotten past like what it looked like to get there. And the, I did the same thing at the tour championship. Like my whole goal is to get the tour championship. And then I got there and I like I didn't know what to do. Like, so I think when you start getting in a goal setting, like don't isolate yourself into this so be so specific. Cause like, all right, I want to make the major leagues. I want to make the Olympics. And then you get there, it's like, oh, I'm here. Then what? Then what? It's like I had gotten so wrapped up into making East Lake, making the U.S. Open, making all these things, which were great goals to do, that actually like playing and competing it was sort of like an afterthought. Mm. Instead of like, man, like I got an unbelievable opportunity here. And then you look back on it, it's like, yeah, like all the thought and emotion and everything that kind of went into achieving those things, sort of like I shot myself in the foot. And then I kind of short-sighted my goals instead of like, I'm going to do this. And when I do this, this is what I'm going to do with it. Yeah, I'm going to embrace the opportunity and this and that. But I remember, I don't remember what, what day you came to the, did you come Saturday or Sunday? We were there Saturday, Sunday. Okay. Yeah. I remember uh, uh, walking down the, this would have been the 14th hole, the par four on Saturday and I looked at my caddy and I said, how does a game that I felt like the week before mm. I was literally the best in the world feel like I have no idea what I'm doing? You know, not too many days later. And he just starts to look back. And he's like, you realize this is your 34th day in a row of playing golf? And that's where you have to have the people around you to help give your perspective. Because I'm sitting there just beating the crap out of myself going down there. It's like, man, you worked your butt off to get here. It's a huge goal, and you're going to come out here and just play like a jackass. Like, I mean, I was hitting – you were there. I was hitting everywhere. I mean, I've hit it in every – I cannot believe I didn't injure You're someone. doing what I was saying earlier, right, Scott? Yeah, very much so. <laughs> <laughs> Therapy for myself. <laughs> but I think, like, in that perspective, like, it freed me up. It's like, man, I get it. Like we we played so much to get here, like man we like it's okay yeah like we we flamed out yeah and I I think that I want I want to like that's the the capacity that I want to talk to a lot of uh, for a few minutes about is that Scott because so many people right either take the highs and keep rolling or they take those lows and just bury themselves right and it's the most unbelievable thing to watch you or any other athlete make a mistake 
do something stupid. I mean, I watched Dion right talk to that player in the in the locker room from Jackson State this week, and I don't know if you saw it, but the guy drops an open pass to win the game. Okay, and he's in the locker room, buried his head, crying. And Dion's walk up walks up to him and is like, "Dude, this is life, man. It's okay. It's okay. You made a mistake. Now, what can you learn from it?" And what's this, what is this moment right now going to teach you about life going forward? Who are you going to be after this mistake? Mm-hmm. Right. And so tell me, how do you, you know, essentially, you know, what happened after the U S open? Cause your season could have folded at that moment. Right. Yeah, I mean, but was, what, what's the mentality to come back again and keep coming back for yeah, more? It, it was a different thing. So, you know, we basically, um, you know, we went to U.S. Open, and then the next week is Hartford, which is right down the road in a place that I love, like a golf course I love. Noble's a big part of the event and this and that. And I come out, she's 74 the first round. And I am – I'm like, I'm over golf. I'm like, I'm going to finish, you know, 60th on the FedEx Cup. I'm over. Like, I've, I've you know, made enough points, you know, to whatever. I'm going to finish whatever. And, like, I am a freaking over it. And, you know, a huge goal to make the U.S. Open – Come out here feeling great about my game, you know, freaking blow up, shoot 74. And uh, my my caddy, we've been together for seven years, and John's his name, and he's an unbelievable dude. And we've become, obviously, very close to the fact, but he knows my personality and knows kind of like the different things. And he's like, are we going to go break them all or are we going to go work on them? He's like, because we're not – he said, where you think you are is not where you're at. Because in my mind, it's like, you suck. You don't like all these. And I'm telling myself all that because any person that tells you they don't have those moments, they are freaking liars. Because <laughs> uh, uh, that doubt is real. The voices get loud, and you got to have the people that can help turn the volume down because they're always going to be there. And you just got to be able to figure out a way to talk to them. That's, I love that because and that is so, so true. But you got to surround yourself with people that can be those intermediaries because you're not going to want to hear them at times. And he does not care. He's like, buddy, I don't care if we, if you want, to go to the range and break every one of these clubs, I'll help you do it. But if you want someone that's going to go there and help you figure out how to use them a little bit better than where you're at right now, he said, I'll help you do that too. We ended up shooting 64 the next day, making the cut. Backdoor, bogey-free 63 on Sunday, finished eighth. Thursday afternoon, I am ready to break every single club <laughs> in my bag, thinking about how I'm just, you know, I'm just – Yeah, you're I'm, over it. You're I'm s- over it. You're done. And – you know, sort of just like that talk me off the ledge moment, but then kind of like, and I mean, you know, probably slightly embellished, like in terms of just the emotion of the situation, I'm not going to go break all my clubs. I was just over it, man. I played bad and, you know, put a ton of pressure on myself and it kind of carried over into my, like, I'm going to try to prove something like this and that. And I go and kind of fall on my face. Cause as soon as you get that try mentality, it is over, man. It is over. Instead of I'm going to go and react to the situation and be athletic. I mean, that's, I mean, Athletic relative to golf, but <laughs> um, I think in that same situation, like I'm, I'm going down the 14th fairway on Saturday and I am like lost my best friend walking down the fairway of the tour championship. All I wanted to do the entire year was to make the tour championship. And he's like, man, if, if you're going to figure out a play uh, time to play bad, you might as well play bad here. He said, cause it means you got here. And I it's was very just like, good perspective. man, it's like, you know, Texan Yoda out there because he's a Texas yeah. guy, and he just he just he doesn't say much, but when he does speak, it is very and I listen very much so. And just having those people in your life to where you can, because I'm taking this huge accomplishment of something I've never done in my career, 
and I am like just not enjoying it. Mm. I like, cause I mean, it's still your golf, your competitor, you're wanting to play well and you're out there and you're just like, I mean, there's a knife to a gunfight and there's what I did, which is, I don't know what's less than that, which is no knife, but that's pretty much what I did. I mean, I was not playing the same game. These other guys were. And I think instead of taking the perspective of like, Oh man, you went and you played bad. It's like, no, nah, man, you got there. You learned a lot. You understand your schedule. You understand how to kind of work it where you can play, kind of play with those events in mind instead of, Hey, if I get there, great, which is kind of what it was. Yep. Instead of like where you can account for them and, and kind of take them into consideration, which is something I had not experienced before. So, I mean, those are two situations to where, you know, essentially something negative caused a reaction because I had someone be able to kind of intercede and speak into that instead of me just spiraling and getting myself into a spot where, you know, was, you know, I don't know about harmful, but definitely detrimental to my game. Yeah. Instead of something like, man, I had a guy come alongside me and it's like, Hey, if you want to break them, we're breaking them. But if we're going to work, we're going to work. Yeah. Like we're not going to be in the middle. I think a lot of people in that situation, whether it's golf or life or whatever, being in the middle sucks for everybody, mm. yourself and everyone around you. Because, like, if you can't be the one to make a decision and stick with it and have a little sense of urgency to kind of help, you know, see it through, there's just going to be a lot of scenarios in which, like, the outcome is just, eh. Yeah. And it just doesn't work for anybody. Like, you'd rather have a negative out- outcome instead of just the ones like, what, nothing really even happened here. Yeah. Instead of like at least someone, you know, had the balls to make a decision and, and go and stick with it and take responsibility for whatever happened. Yeah. And that's applicable to everything. Man. I agree with that. Life, business, golf, sports, relationships, whatever. Like just being in the middle and living in the past and second guessing everything. Like no one needs that armchair quarterback. Yep. It's like, man, we need that guy that's in the game. Yeah. He's going to adapt and deal with whatever happens. It's awesome. I guess you've already got a plan then because you, you're in four majors this next year. So you you didn't just get to the majors this coming year. You're <laughs> going to be playing in them. So I, I, I guess you're going to have a different mentality this year. Um, yeah, very, very much so. And <laughs> uh, the, like the planning and everything that goes into it, I'm very fortunate. i got a really good team around me to kind of help me do those things, mm-hmm. So which is great. Um, and, again, it's a problem, but it's a good problem. You and created kind of, it. <laughs> and it's, it's something you created. And, you know, how you deal with that instead of being like, like everyone knows that person is like, oh, I got to go on vacation and I got to go on this kid's trip and I got to do this. And then I got to go to dinner with these people. It's like, these are all good things. These are all good things. But like the reason that you're stressed is maybe you're a bad planner or maybe you can't commit or maybe you're doing too many things and maybe you just can't like, you know, just need to take a second and, you know, evaluate what's going on. Like none of those things are bad, mm-hmm. but you know, we're, if we can't take a uh, step back and sort of evaluate like how we got ourselves in this situation, instead of second guessing it and trying to figure out how not to do that in the future, just like, man, this is where I'm at. I'm going to deal with it. Yep. I'm going to take it head on and kind of go on from there instead of wishing that it didn't happen. Yeah. Cause that didn't get anyone anything. Yep. Scott, as we start to wrap up, um, I'm very much about processes. You seem to be about processes and routine. Talk to me a little bit about your routine, your process every day, and how you think that that that's probably, I I would assume I'd be safe to say that that's probably what's 
you know, really been a big change for you over the last, you know, five, seven years is that your routine is always going on. You know, you kind of talked about it earlier about backing into your day, but you have a routine and you're pretty stringent with your routine. You're not going to deviate much from it. Yeah, very much so. I mean, you know, good, bad, and different. Like, I mean, I've got a very limited amount of time, especially at home. And I try to be very cognizant of that. Like I try to do all my stuff during the day while my kids are at school. Sometimes it doesn't work that way. Unfortunately, my job takes a long time to do the days I do choose to play. Um, but I, I kind of cap that window, you know, from the time that they're in. Cause like, I want to be involved as much as I possibly can. And again, going back to, I want to be where I'm at and mm-hmm. I want to do the things that, um, I don't get a chance to do very much. And like when I'm home, my job is not a professional golfer. Like that's, that's, you know, that is my job. But when I'm home, that's not my job. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a dad and a husband first. And I put my professional golf job in spots where it, it fits. And there was times that that perspective was not always there. You know, my job was uh, sort of what held, you know, everything else in limbo. You know, relationships, you know, time, friends, whatever that looked like. is like, oh, my job's first. And, I mean, to be great, there's times where that has to happen, and that's inevitable. But I think just understanding that, you know, being way more diligent in my time management and understanding like, man, if I'm going to go practice and put the time, my phone is gone. Mm. You know, I'm going to check out, but I'm also going to tell the people that have direct that that would affect. Like I tell my wife, like, Hey, I'm put my phone in my car for some hours and I'm literally not going to be available. Like, and that's okay. But I'm, I'm prepared enough and give it some forethought where that's okay. Yeah. But also too, it's like, Hey, I'm going to go play a little bit. If you need me, like give me, and that's a different scenario, Mm. but I'm not necessarily as much, but I think when you kind of get into so much of a routine, it's a little bit, man, on the road, this is it. That is my job. This is what I'm here to do. And so you kind of flip it a little bit. Yep. And, but I think being adaptable and understanding where, you know, the, the best thing about my job and the worst thing about it is we do it a lot. Mm. We play a ton. It's a good thing and a bad thing. So understanding, you know, how to travel, time change, all the different things kind of goes into it. I think there's a, a lot of things that are very applicable to life. You get a lot of tries. And understanding of, like, cut yourself some slack like you're not going to be perfect every day. Mm. Like, man, there are days that I suck as a husband. And there are days that I suck as a dad. And there are days that I suck as a golfer. But understanding that I am doing everything I possibly can to make those days less. But I'm not naive enough to the fact that they're not going to happen because they are. And the same thing, anyone that tells you they're going to go through life and not suck at anything, like they're lying to. That <laughs> <laughs> they're not only lying to everyone else, but they're lying to themselves. Yeah. And, you know, take myself, you know, not too seriously. Um, but I'm, I would say that I'm my own worst critic but i'm i've become my own like i don't know necessarily the right word but just sense of oak of understanding where i am and that's okay too yeah like i know that there's days that i'm not gonna be the best yeah but i know that there's days that i'm not i am gonna wake up tomorrow and try to be better than i was the day before that's awesome scott this is uh man i'm truly honored to be able to sit here Number one, call you a friend. Number one, number two, that you'd take the time, you know, to spend with me 
and sharing your story. Uh, I've learned a lot today and I'm, I'm very thankful that you did this. Um, as we wrap up turning on the light, can you turn on the light for some people kind of close us out? I think it's hard when you, as a listener, and I find myself in this situation a lot, especially when I listen to you know whatever podcast I listen to. You see, like truly, like great, like influential people, and you're like, man, I'm just like a normal dude, or I'm a a, a dad, I'm a husband, I'm a you know a mom, a you know whatever that is. And you're just like, I'm just like a normal person. It's like the moment that you take that mentality, and you're not a normal person, you're very unique in the fact that there's only one of you. And when people go around and they try to put themselves in this bucket of like, Oh, I'm, I'm not special. I'm not, this is like, you are special because that's it. Like there's one of me, there's one of you. There's, we've got three dudes sitting in these beach chairs in my gym, drinking a little bourbon and we're all unique and we're all special. And the moment that we choose to take that mentality, as far as like, I'm not going to be a victim. I'm going to choose to look at every and all opportunity to better myself and to better those people in the community that are around me. I think the more and more that we can get to that as a society and as a people, like we're all going to be better. Like Mm. I'm going to go around. I, I don't have my best days a lot, but I truly, if I go and operate and to try to be encouraging, polite and respectful of those people around me, hopefully they're going to continue to try to do that in their own lives and understand that that's not for everybody. But I think that as we continue to go on and, you know, whether it's listening to something like this, like, Oh, well that dude plays on, you know, plays golf. It's like, man, I'm no more better or worse than you are. I, that's just what I choose to do for a job. And I'm, you know, feel like I have the best job in the world. I know absolutely nothing about medical sales and stuff that you deal with, but in the fact of like, that doesn't make you any better than anyone else. It's just, that's what you do. And that's what makes you unique in the way that you go about it. But the way that, you know, we choose to identify ourselves in regards of like a choice of circumstances or whatever, the mentality that goes behind it is so much more Mm. than the actual, like the identifiers. And I think the fact of, like the faster we can get out of that mentality and understand this is where I'm at. You know, maybe I'm, I'm loving where I'm at or I'm maybe I'm, I'm aspiring to be somewhere better. Like let that be the the thing that drives you instead of just, Oh, this is, this is who I am. No, this is who I am, but I'm going to do whatever it possibly takes to, to help continue to be better at that or to aspire to get out of a certain place. And I think that's the kind of the stuff where people can choose when they listen to podcasts as far as how to, not compartmentalize themselves into, and putting themselves in this bucket of whatever, of how it's unapplicable or whatever. Oh, it's just a cool story that I like to listen to. It's like, no, nah, man, this guy's talking to you. Hmm. Like it wouldn't take too many podcasts as far as mentalities go on and be like, man, I got a hell of a lot to work out myself included. And so maybe that was a long answer to a short question, but uh, that's a lot of things that I think about. No, Scott, man, this has been awesome. Uh, really appreciate it. First tournament, you're going to Hawaii next week? Uh, yeah, 27th. So we're at the end of uh, wherever we are. We're well, not really your first tournament. It'll be the first tournament of the 2023 year. Yes, your season's already started for yeah, you. Yeah, pretty much we never end. <laughs> yeah. I remember being at the Tour Championship, and they were talking about either the week or two weeks later, I guess, was Napa. Yeah, you win the Tour Championship, and two weeks later, you're 500 points down. Yeah. 
<clears throat> it's like you win the national championship and you're zero and one. Yeah, <laughs> like two weeks later, yeah. it's like, oh, this is cool. <laughs> well, man, uh, you obviously got a lot of fans. You know that this, uh, at least uh, this town and city, loves you and cheers would be cheering for you. But there's a lot of other people that really appreciate what you're doing. Uh, again, Scott Stallings, PJ Tour uh, professional. Uh, we will link all his stuff in our um, show notes so that you can follow him as he goes and tries to do it all again uh, this year. Again, he just said he's down 500 points already. Uh, but Scott, again, I'm honored to be uh, be with you, and, and thanks for sharing your story today. Absolutely, man. Thank you guys for having me. The Turning on the Light podcast is part of the Palm Tree Podco Network of Podcasts. It's produced and edited by Anthony Palmer.